In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ryan. At this time, I want to dismiss the uh, kids that are uh, four years old through fourth grade. They can head to uh, Kids Church, four years old through fourth grade. And your teacher this morning is really a good-looking woman. And uh, it's uh, my wife. So, um, hey, listen, um, uh, four years old through fourth grade, have fun down there. And uh, just want you guys to know this, uh, Laura... Uh, Laura Schmidt, um, she is the one, uh, she wrote, she directed, she created, she put this whole thing together and uh, the special sound effects that were in there and the fun things, all her idea. And so uh, would you just please tell her, just she did a great job. Thank you for that. Really, 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 really a creative, creative person. Hey, this morning we are... Um, uh, continuing a sermon series that uh, we started a few weeks ago, and and it comes from one Bible verse, and uh, uh, you already heard it this morning. Ryan read it, and it comes from uh, the book of Isaiah. So who's Isaiah? Well, Isaiah is a guy that wrote this down 700 years before Jesus arrives. Next uh, Sunday, we're celebrating Christmas. 700 years before Jesus shows up, Isaiah writes this down. Now, how's that happen? Well, Isaiah was a prophet. Okay, what's that mean? Uh, God would send prophets into an area, and they were kind of like hand-selected by God preachers that would go into an area and communicate what God wanted people to know. And Isaiah was a prophet that lived 700 years before Jesus showed up. And God sent Isaiah uh, to the people of Judah, and he wanted to communicate a message to him. Hey, I want you guys to understand something. Uh, God has told me that the nation of Judah is going to be wiped out. It's going to be destroyed because all of the people of Judah had turned their back on God, and they were not living the way that God wanted them to live. And so God uh, tells uh, Isaiah, go and tell him that. Uh, but also I want you to tell them uh, that uh, one day uh, one of their descendants is going to arrive and is going to be the savior of all of the people. So there's going to be a remnant of the nation of Judah and there's one day he's going to arrive and be the savior of the people. And so you might think, well, how does God do that? How does God sort of handpick? Uh, we believe that the Bible, every book in the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all the books of the Bible are written uh, by, they are inspired, they're written by authors, <clears throat> there's over 40 of them, but they're all inspired by God. We believe that God told them uh, what to write down. That's inspired by God. And here's why we believe that. <clears throat> the first uh, verse of the Bible, Genesis 1, chapter 1, very first verse, says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so if this is a God that is so powerful that he can speak and earth shows up and he can speak and an ocean full of uh, fish shows up and he can speak and the heavens full of stars and planets can show up, uh, this is a God that is powerful enough to say, I want to communicate to my creation, mankind, through a prophet and he's going to write this down so that we can know what he wants us to know. And so Isaiah writes down in the book of Isaiah about something that's going to happen all these years later when Jesus would arrive. And here's the verse. Here's the, the sermon series that we've been in here in the month of December is based on this verse, Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. It says, for he will, for, 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 uh, okay, <laughs> I got ahead of myself there. Here we go. It says this, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And the, and the government was on Jesus' shoulders. Uh, it was actually, maybe you remember, Pontius Pilate was the one that allowed for him to be sentenced to death. 
And it says, and he will be called, he's talking about when Jesus arrives, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Maybe you are in a time of need and you need a counselor. Talk to Jesus. Talk to Jesus. He says he's a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. We talked about that last week. He's so strong and so mighty. And what he desires to do is use his power in your life so that when you lean into him, he steers it, guides it, and directs it for his namesake, for his namesake. This morning, we're going to talk about everlasting father, everlasting father. Next week, we're going to talk about prince of peace. And so here's what we know. Fathers, father, everlasting father. It says that Jesus will be known as an everlasting father. Uh, this is what I believe. I believe that men and women are different. Believe that. And uh, I believe that moms and dads are different. And uh, they'll, they'll kind of tackle things a little bit differently. I know um, when I was, uh, my kids were little and, um, you know, uh, one of them trying to learn how to ride their bike and they'd fall off and, you know, kind of uh, scrape their elbow right on down the sidewalk for a while there. And, and they'd get up and look at it and it's bleeding and they'd start crying. And um, my wife uh, might rush over to my kids and, and kind of kiss the boo-boo and try to make it all better. And I would wonder what was taking them so long to stand up. You haven't learned to ride the bike yet, right? And so moms and dads are a little bit different. Moms and dads are a little bit different. And that's by design. God, God gives, he gives uh, moms uh, special gifts and talents and he gives dads special gifts and talents. And that's why he tells us that the plan for his family, the plan for his family, uh, all mankind is that there be a mom and a dad and kids. And that's, that's always his plan because he wants what's best. But what we also know is this, is that not every family is built that way. Not every family is built that way. And, um, and so here's what we know is that uh, when, when God says that uh, you can think about Jesus in a way that he would be an everlasting father, an everlasting father, we can also know the truth is that a father image of God a fatherly image of God might be a very hard thing. Let's pray. Uh, dear God in heaven, we ask that uh, you will teach us, that we will, uh, as a result of being here today, be able to draw closer to you and not farther from you. And because you love us, I ask that you'll help us in Jesus' name. Amen. A father image can be very difficult if uh, your father maybe wasn't around or you didn't like him that much. And so maybe the idea, write this down in your bulletin. Um, maybe you had a father who was never there. Maybe, maybe when you think about God as God the Father, maybe the only images that come to your mind is a father who is never there. And um, here, here's what I can tell you. A father who is never satisfied, is never satisfied. And um, maybe, maybe you had the same kind of experiences I had growing up. There were times when my dad wasn't satisfied with me, and, and I would know it because he would give me the look. He'd give me the look. Your dad ever give you the look? And my dad gave me the look right up until, you know, probably the week before he died. He probably still gave me the look once or twice. And uh, there were times that he would, uh, uh, you know, he'd kind of communicate to me, sometimes verbally and non-verbally, that he was not satisfied with the way that I was going. There were really uh, a big shift took place in my life when I was in my early 30s. And my wife and I had bought a house. It was built in 1890. 
and it was an old house and it had plaster and lath and we went in and we gutted the thing out and we rewired it and replumbed it, new window siding, roofed the whole thing and uh, drywall in there and all that stuff. And my dad, he would come and help me. And uh, one day, um, uh, after he was helping me for uh, a few days, uh, finally I just had to say it. I said, Dad, uh, don't shoot on me. And uh, you should on me all the time. And he looked at me kind of funny, like I was cussing at him or something like that, because that's what it sounded like. But uh, uh, it kind of sunk in, because here's the reality, is he knew, and I knew, that he would say to me, oh, you should have done it this way, you should do it this way, and why, why didn't you do it that way? And he would always come after me, and after me, and after me, like I wasn't doing it to his standard, and that he was never satisfied with the way that I was doing it. So I said, Dad, you should on me all the time. A year later or so, my mom uh, told me uh, that, you know, that really got inside your dad's head. And I knew that it really got inside my dad's head because my dad stopped shooting on me. And he took a different approach where he'd say, well, Steve, uh, maybe, what do you think if we did it this way? And he kind of changed that because he knew that he was being a dad that was never satisfied. Some people will live their entire life trying to compensate for a non-approving father. Maybe they'll do that by becoming a workaholic. Maybe they'll do that by trying to achieve great things or even becoming an overachiever. They may feel if they work hard enough or earn enough, it will compensate for the hurt that is in their heart. Maybe for you, thinking about Jesus as an everlasting father is a very difficult thing. Maybe you had a father and, well, they kind of thought, well, they, would, uh, they, will, they, will, they will love me if I accomplish and do more. And you'll fight in your job to get to the very top of the heap. Sometimes they approve. And sometimes they don't. Fathers can be kind of tough. Maybe you had a father that was never satisfied. Or maybe you had a father who was always angry. They were always angry. Maybe you heard words like, I wish... You had never been born. Maybe you heard words like, you were an accident. Maybe you remember your dad being angry. Not too long ago, I heard a dad, and he was looking down at his son. I'm guessing he was kindergarten or first grade, and I heard him say in a very angry way, if you don't stop that, I'm going to shove your head through the wall. Maybe you had a father that was very angry, and maybe an everlasting father gives you the creeps. Maybe you were abused, maybe physically, maybe sexually, maybe emotionally, and the thought of an everlasting father like you had is very hard. Maybe you had a father that was never satisfied, or maybe you had a father that was always angry, or maybe you had a father who was seldom there. Dads can be missing 
for a lot of reasons. Maybe they have a job that takes them away from the home for 60, 80, 100 hours a week. They can be missing emotionally. Maybe it's a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction, and they're not around. Maybe you lost your father a long time ago. Maybe you never even knew your father. My dad tells stories. Um, I never met my grandfather, but my dad tells me stories about when he was a kid, his dad was a drunk. And his dad uh, would go to the bar on Friday night and that he would have to get in the car with his mom and they would go to the bar and his mom would have to go into the bar and pull um, my, my dad, my grandfather would pull his wallet from him and take the cash out of it because he would cash his check on Friday night and if she wouldn't go to the bar and get the money from him, he would stay in the bar and drink it all the way over the weekend. So maybe you had a father that was never satisfied, or maybe you had a father that was very angry, or maybe you had a father that was seldom there. And so what I would like you to do, if you can, is to think about an everlasting father, but not through the lens of your father. But would you be willing to try, just for a moment, to think about God only and purely through the lens of Scripture. Through what the Bible tells us our everlasting Father is really like. Because the Bible tells us this, that our everlasting Father is compassionate. He is compassionate The book of Psalms, chapter 103, verse 8 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. My dad learned this. Eventually, he he figured all of this out because his father was not a good role model, but my dad gave himself, he gave his life to Jesus Christ before uh, I was ever born, and he changed as a man and and retooled, and he had other uh, men in the church that helped him, and and my dad, he would discipline me. He would discipline me. He would spank me, and uh, and there were times where I knew that I was doing something really, really wrong, and my mom would say, wait till your dad gets home, and that was a very scary thing. And and he would come home and he would spank me and we had a paddle at home and he would spank me. But here's what I, I, I always knew. My dad loved me. I always knew it. He would bring me into the room and he would tell me, he'd say, all right, Steve, you're going to get a spanking because of what you did. And he would go over that and he would say, I don't want to spank you, but I have to spank you because I cannot have you doing what you did. And I knew that he loved me. I knew that he loved me. And the Bible tells us that God is compassionate, that the Lord is compassionate. And listen to what Jesus said in the book of Matthew chapter 11. He says this, Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's who God is. That's who God is. And when my dad began to learn to be more Christ-like, my dad had much more compassion, grace, and kindness as a dad. As a good dad. As a good dad. The Bible tells us that our everlasting father is compassionate. The Bible also tells us that our everlasting father is caring. 
He is caring. Jeremiah chapter 21 verse 11 says, this is God speaking. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. He says plans to give you hope and a future. Hope and a future that would come from God. Have you ever felt like you had somebody in your corner? Maybe you felt when you were growing up like your dad was in your corner and other times in life, maybe you felt like there were other people in your corner and God is the kind of God that cares for us and wants to see it, that there's somebody in our corner. And um, uh, maybe you're growing up and uh, you kind of you leave your house and you start to set your, your path and your journey in life. And can you look back in your life now and think about people that help shape the person that you are now and people that help kind of steer you and you bumped into them and you didn't know why you bumped into them, but you bumped into them. And I mean, I can remember a guy named Charlie Free. When I graduated from high school in Rockford, Illinois and moved out to Phoenix, Arizona, Denver, Colorado, and I was framing houses before I went to college and a guy named Charlie Free, he was a foreman at Pratt Development, was the largest uh, truss yard and framing outfit that was in Phoenix, Arizona at the time. And uh, Charlie, he was a Vietnam vet. He had the antenna on his radio shot off of him when he was in Vietnam. He'd tell stories. Man, the guy, oh, he could cuss. I tell you, I don't know if you know all the dirty words. I think he even made up some dirty words. Dude could cuss. He, boy, he could cuss. And dirty jokes, I can still remember those dirty jokes. Some of the jokes are funny, but boy, I will never tell them again in my life. I've got to try to wash them out of there. Boy, he, he was a nasty guy. He was a nasty guy, but he was respected as a framer. And the whole company, he was respected. He was my boss. And I told Charlie one day that I was going to be leaving, going back to college. And Charlie literally pulled me aside to where there was nobody else around. Nobody else could see it. And he put his arm around me and he said, Steve, he said, I make a lot of money in this company. And he said, I think if you stay in this company, you could make a lot of money here because I see it in you, you've got it in you, and you can do it. I was a framer. I was a framer. I didn't know what I wanted to do in the world. I was framing houses. And here was a guy that I really, truly respected. He knew his thing. And he instilled in me, huh, maybe I can do a little bit more than I think I can do. And God used Charlie Free to build me in the direction that God wanted me to go. You know, my dad gave me a great biblical foundation. I think God can use anybody. He is for you. He is interested in you. He cares about you. And he wants you to become what he wants you to be. He cares for you. You know what's interesting about that? You ever, you ever look at the, the genealogy of Jesus? And who were some of Jesus' ancestors? You know, some of them were prostitutes. Some of them were murderers. And those people are ultimately uh, the, the, the forebearers that gave Jesus his DNA. God cares for us. And he can use people to shape us. I don't know what your earthly father was like or if you ever knew him or if they were around, but what I can tell you is that God cares for you. Laura's going to come and sing a song, and what I want you to know is that when you're listening to this song, that God cares for you and that God is compassionate and that he is caring and that he is always there and he's interested in you.
I don't know what your life journey is exactly. I don't know if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. I don't know if you've ever given your life to a God that loves you the way that God loves you. But what God wants you to do is surrender to him, to give your life to him, to say, I believe you, God. I believe that you are better than anyone that I've ever met, and I want to live the way that you want me to live. And so we show God that we are interested in following him and accepting Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins so that our sins can go away. We do that by being baptized into Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've ever been baptized into Jesus Christ, but if that's something that you think you need to do and want to learn more about that, I'd love to have that conversation with you. You say, Steve, I want to know more about what does it mean to be baptized? If you've never been baptized into Christ, that's something that you need to think about. I need to give my life to Jesus Christ because he is a good father, an everlasting father. If you do know Jesus, share Jesus. I'm going to put the words of this song up. This service will conclude when Laura's done singing, but I want you to know that he's good. You listen for a while, and then if you want to sing along, you sing along. But God is good. Mm -hmm.